Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Just a real quick shout out to my two nearest patrons, Felix and Eliano. Thanks so much for joining the team, guys, and supporting the podcast. We are now on a total of 27 patrons, but we are still going to go for the big 50 before the end of the year. I will work hard for it with uh, a lot of extra podcasts now that I don't have any tournaments for quite some time. So if you guys are not already uh, patrons, but you would like to spread good karma, help the podcast grow, get early access to episodes, and also have a chance of winning prizes each month, I would greatly appreciate your support on patreon.com slash You only get charged once a month. You can always stop your payments again. There's no binding at all. So any small or large amount is just great. Now, let's move on to the interview today, which is the first time I'm having two guests on at the same time. Enjoy. If you guys enjoy surfing on YouTube, watching just about every badminton video possible, there's no doubt you will come across videos made by my two guests today. Besides being YouTube wizards, they also happen to be very good international badminton players. So with this podcast's mission of promoting the sport more and in new ways, I obviously had to get Jenny Moore and Greg Maas, creators of the YouTube channel Badminton Insight on the show. Jenny and Greg, welcome to A Year Until with Vittinghus. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Yeah. Hello. And yeah, very excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, it should be a, a lot of fun. And it is called the Year and Tour with Wittinghus. And we actually recently been on tour together for the first time in quite a while. You both uh, participated in the uh, Denmark Open. And like for me, it was so, so good to be back competing. Uh, how did you guys feel about it? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was also a very strange experience because... As we know, it wasn't entirely the same as what we're used to. We arrived and we had to get a corona test and we weren't allowed to leave our hotel room until we had that negative result back. But it was so much fun. It was that experience of being around other players and warming up and going out onto the court, even though it was a small crowd, there was a small, there was at least a crowd there. So yeah, it was just really good to be back and a lot of fun to be out on court. And you also released a uh, a vlog on your uh, on your YouTube channel, so I recommend everybody to uh, go watch that because great, you actually you have a uh, a pretty cool moment in the uh, vlog. I'm sure you already know uh, what I'm talking about when you uh, announced that Crystal Language was going to be the winner in men's doubles on day one or something like that, right? I did. Yeah, I was telling him the whole time, "Look, you're gonna you're gonna win this tournament." Um, he wasn't quite sure, and he was saying, "We'll take it one step at a time." But when I said it at the start of the tournament, um, when obviously some big names maybe hadn't dropped out of the the draw yet, he was he was kind of very doubtful. But then he started to believe as he went. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he won, that, that's pretty cool. Did you? Uh, of course, we're not allowed to bet, but uh, yeah, you should have put a bit of uh, money on it. I'm sure <laughs> you would have got a good return. <laughs> Did you uh, did you guys return home to quarantine? Because I heard that the uh, the English players might have to quarantine for fourteen days when they got back home, but I'm not sure. No, we got a government exemption, so we, we Denmark was on the quarantine list, but we actually got a government exemption for elite sport, which was quite nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, because right. I'm I'm following uh, Michelle Lee on uh, Instagram, and I saw she's been uh, yeah she's been in quarantine for 14 days now back home, and it doesn't look a, a lot of fun. So I'm sure you guys uh, enjoyed not having to do that. Yeah, we were very grateful for that. We actually had a little bit of trouble on the way out. We were at the airport, and we had all these exemption forms from the tournament, the BWF, Bampton, England, and the like. Air hostesses were saying at check-in like no, you're not allowed on this flight. And we were kind of waiting there for around half an hour. They were ringing the Danish police. So a good, at least half an hour, we were really worried that we weren't actually going to be able to get on the plane and come over. But thankfully, someone somewhere let us through. So that's okay. good. Yeah. yeah, I heard about some of the Indians who, uh, who missed their flights as well and had to, to book new ones. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, anyway, it's good to, uh, that you actually uh, arrived in Denmark and, uh, and got to play the tournament. And Greg, you made the quarterfinal. Is that correct in mixed doubles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost in three sets to Chris, fellow Englishman, Chris and Chris and Gabby. I've got. And how did you get on, Jenny? Uh, me and Vicky unfortunately lost in the first round, but never, nonetheless, it was good fun, and we just enjoyed being back out there in a, in a competition. But unfortunately, it's now a while until the next one. That's, yeah, lots know. of doubt, isn't there, and uncertainty. So. I think it's tough for everyone at the moment. Um, so the more we can do to just um, keep everyone engaged in the badminton world, the better, I think. And watching videos on YouTube, and maybe they can find your through the legs one. <laughs> Perfect, guys. I'll uh, move on to talk more about the... Uh... Ah, go to the actual uh, interview and not all this uh, just uh, chit chat and uh, an easy talk. I want to give the listeners a uh, a bit of their background about uh, who the two of you are. Uh, and Jenny, you're 25 years old. Greg, you're 25 as well. Jenny, you are ranked 52 right now in women's doubles and 91 in mixed. If I looked it up correctly, your highest rank is 38. Uh, or 37. I'm actually a bit confused. Tournament software says uh, 38, but on your LinkedIn, it says 37. So you should check up on that. Maybe we're trying to get one extra place. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's definitely definitely 38. That must have been an error. Yeah, 38 (laughs) played together. (laughs) All right. Yeah, and Greg, yeah, as I said, you're 25 as well. Your highest is uh, 38 in mixed when you play together, as you just said. You're 67 at the moment and 126 in men's doubles. And both your... Your results uh, for you, Jenny and Greg, are not. Are your rankings are a bit low because you don't have the ten full results after you uh, you change partners. Yeah. You won the Slovenia International, the Irish Open, the Norwegian International together as a couple, and yeah. you added a few other titles in Slovenia and Estonia with different partners, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that is uh, quite successful, and I, I know you guys are also a couple outside of the court, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're engaged, actually. Oh, you're engaged. All right, congrats. Recently. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, but I was wondering, like, if you're having a lot of success on court, as you obviously were, and you're also having success outside of court, why are you not partnering up anymore? On court. Um, that uh, yeah, it's a complicated answer, but essentially, it's. Uh, something that the federation don't want and don't foresee us playing together. So at the moment, um, well, my mixed partner and Greg's doubles partner, Tom Wolfenden, he's unfortunately recently just stopped playing. Um, I think partly due to 
coronavirus obviously has created a lot of uncertainty for people. So I'm now just playing women's doubles and Greg's just playing mix with Vicky. But yeah, unfortunately at the moment, it's just not something that the Federation want. Uh, but what I think is quite interesting with your background, uh, and that's that again goes for both of you, is that you have this uh, student background. You've both been uh, studying uh, full-time uh, while you've been uh, playing badminton full-time as well. So you basically had two full-time jobs at the, uh, <clears throat> sorry, at the same time. And I think that's in some way quite common in England, at least compared to Denmark. You don't see it as much in, uh, in Denmark. I was just thinking, have you ever felt like, because uh, I've been studying a bit myself, uh, not as much as you guys, but I sometimes felt it could be a burden. But in other ways, I also felt like it was really nice to get some time away from badminton and get your mind off thinking about something else. Have you guys felt that it has slowed down your progress or do you feel like you you wouldn't have changed it even if you, if you could have gone full-time badminton and, and lived off that? Yeah, I think um, it, it, it's a bit of both, really. Like obviously, you need to put the hours into your training. Um, but also, I feel like with us um, managing that time, we've gained so many life skills by doing badminton alongside six years of university, it ended up being, uh, as well as you know various other part-time jobs. Um, so I think it's given us, given us those skills of, of real-time management um, yeah, so that that skills you can also use in your in your badminton career to to become a better player, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I think studying at university for so long, we kind of were in that environment of we had to maximise almost every hour that we could get on court because we don't have the luxury of being able to go home after a really hard session and just relaxing and recovering like full time players can. We had to have a quick shower and rush off to a lecture and then study the rest of the day. And then we'd have another training session in the evening. And then a lot of the times we'd, me and Greg would then go and have a part-time job in, in like the later evening. So it was something that we really had to learn was maximizing every minute of every session, just so that we felt like we were pushing ourselves to the limit and getting as much out of ourselves as we could, as we believed other players were, doing that in a full-time role where that was all they were concentrating on. But I think it actually helped us in a way because we were never like 75% into a session or 80% in. We, we always felt like we have to go all into every session yeah. because otherwise we're not going to be maximizing our time and then really like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But did you never feel like you say you're always 100% invested, but I also imagine having part-time jobs and being a student as well that sometimes you would also go into session feeling really tired and uh, yeah just not really uh, up for it so I guess you must also have, have felt that a few times but then when you say you're 100% in it's just 100% of what's possible to give on, on, on that day right yeah I think it's how much how much you almost want it isn't it like we had so, such a passion um, and Jenny was Jenny in our, her third year is a placement year and she was working nine till five job, but we were training every day, seven till nine in the morning, five till seven in the evening. And we were so tired, but I think just that passion helped us get through. And we've always had this, you know, real burning desire to achieve, achieve good things, even though it's not a simple process in terms of going to the national center and 
training, you know, and then going back, sleeping and relaxing. And I think that that side of things has actually helped us with managing our time doing the YouTube channel and things like that, what we're doing at the moment. So always being busy and striving to achieve goals. Yeah, yeah, that that does that does make uh, sense for sure. I just I want to understand how the the university system works because it, it's not like when you go to university in England that you can't train there, right? You all have actually high quality training available at the university, right? Yeah, it's not every university. So we were at Loughborough Uni um, and had a really really good setup. That was probably well, it was the best university to go to for badminton, where there was. A full-time coach there was a dedicated strength and conditioning coach there were players there who were almost like on the pathway to going into the national center it was something they called like a feeder center so the aim was that you complete your time at university and then you train hard finish your studies and then you get fed through to the national center as the goal so that setup really was really really good and really beneficial we ended up having Mike Adams as the full-time coach and then Andy Wood came in as a part-time coach who was Nathan and Gail's coach through like that era so that was really really good for us and because it was such a small group of players who were putting all their time into it, it just created a really good team environment and everybody wanted to be there every session so I think you know, the university system is really good for improving your badminton it's just you have to like push yourself to be in every session because it's not like the national center where it's a done like it's an expected thing to turn up to every session at university it's if you want to turn up you turn up it's and very self-led yes yeah i also imagine with with the university being so involved in your your development and progress that they also have a pretty good understanding of uh, yeah, you having to go to tournaments all the time so missing classes and uh, and stuff like that do, do you get some kind of support for uh, yeah the missed classes or uh, yeah, even like financial support would you get that as well in terms of kind of a scholarship or something like that yeah yeah every university is different um we got we got some support from from the university in terms of scholarship and this was around the time where we had the english league as well so the nbl national badminton league so universities were actually putting more money in um, to support that, which was very exciting at the time. Unfortunately, it's stopped now. Um, but yeah, there is lots of support in universities because it's quite a competitive field. Um, I'm still in the university environment as such as I'm the head coach at Nottingham Trent University. So I'm kind of alongside my Bampton trying to build the program there and develop that because, yeah, it is a really exciting thing for Bampton in England. I think that's going to be a pathway for future students and players that want to get better so why did you guys choose this uh, student way instead of just going full out for for badminton straight away like I, I was wondering if you if you weren't very successful junior players that could see like an just easy path to become one of the best in england so you had to have kind of a a plan b is that the case or, or why did you choose to do it this way Greg? yeah yeah for me there was no other option um, I wasn't ever on the England junior squad. Um, and at that time, choosing whether to go to university, I still know for sure that if I didn't go to Loughborough University, at that time was the only place that had real good players and good coaching, especially as a doubles player. I know for sure if I didn't go there, I would not be playing badminton to anywhere near the same level I am now. Um, and, and there was no option to go full-time at the National Centre even if you know you wanted to fund it yourself but there was there was no option um so that's definitely 
the only reason we kind of did and it's a it's, it was a great university as well for that academic side so after our career you know we can rely on that and have those skills from the degree um to, to kind of have a career after and as a backup option almost yeah, yeah i think that's that's pretty uh, sorry yeah i just i think it's pretty great to hear that that you can also get into a national center that way so so you don't have to take kind of the conventional way you can if you want it bad enough and you you go hard enough you can actually uh, get in well, was it kind of the same for you jen or, or is, is your story a bit different uh yeah i think similar ish but mine for me i think university was always something i definitely wanted to do i think i i grew up around a, in my hometown a few players who had career ending injuries and that was something that always played in my mind that what happens if I had a career ending injury when I was 23, 24 years old and then have kind of no qualifications or, or anything. I know there's obviously routes that you can take if you don't have a degree but for me that was something that I definitely wanted to do. I wanted to experience that lifestyle, that university system and see if you can make it through. I mean you said earlier that it's maybe more common in England than Denmark but to be honest, I don't see it as that common in England. We are probably one of the first few to take that pathway through from university to the National Centre. It's maybe become slightly more common now, um, but as, a, as Greg said, I wouldn't change it at all. I think we chose the perfect route for us. And it made us realise through those six years we're at university that, yeah, Bampton is definitely something that we want to pursue as a career that third year where I was in an office nine to five every day was I was sat there thinking every day damn I don't want to be sat in an office for the rest <laughs> of my life I want to play badminton it's so much fun so yeah that's I, I would I would recommend university to anybody I think it's a great choice and it opens up your for your career after life after badminton Before we carry on with the interview, I need a bit of help from uh, the two of you because uh, last week in my podcast, I launched a competition. I do that every month for my uh, patrons who are my most uh, loyal supporters of the podcast. Uh, so each month they have a chance to, uh, to win a prize. And this month they can, uh, the winner will have one of my Forza rackets and also a bag of 10 uh, face masks that are branded with a year until Vidinghus. So how cool is that? Oh. Very cool. Yeah. I also make it sound a bit more cool than it is because it's only the plastic bag that's branded. The face mask are just normal ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there will also be a second prize, which is a face mask for the second winner. All my patrons, they get one loss in the draw per $1 they support with. So I've made, and the listeners can't see this, but I've made a list here with all the names of my patrons. And mm -hmm. they have numbers, and it's too small for you guys to see as well. Yeah. But they have numbers uh, that, so like if you support with uh, $5, you have number one to five, and then so on. So I have 136 numbers, and I need you guys to say one number between one and 136. So we start off with the you, Greg. One number between one and 136. I'm going to go for 122. So you are going to make Ash Sharma a very happy guy. He's oh, uh, the winner yeah. of the uh, the racket and uh, face masks. And then Jenny, you can uh, say 
a number between 1 and 136. And of course, it cannot be the same number as uh, Greg just said. Uh, I will go for 74. 74. That is Karen Kalivara, who will be winning uh, some face masks. So one man and one, one woman. That's perfect when I have a male and a female <laughs> guest as well. All right. Thanks so much, guys. That was, uh, that was it for the competition. So we will move on to the uh, second part of the interview. I want to change the subject to talk a, uh, to talking about your YouTube channel. That's the uh, the main reason why I uh, I asked you to come on this podcast because I've been very impressed with your uh, your work you're doing on Badminton Insight. Uh, I just want to stress for the listeners because I don't know if I pronounce it uh, clearly enough. It's Insight and not Inside. So it's uh, I. N S I G H T, right? So inside that way, so people don't go uh, searching for the wrong name when they need to uh, to check it out. And uh, I thought at first I thought I would describe to the listeners what Badminton Inside is, but no one knows it better than the two of you. So uh, I thought I'd let you guys uh, describe it. What what is Badminton Inside? Uh, well, it's essentially a YouTube channel. Well, it started as a YouTube channel where we create weekly videos of pretty much every topic of badminton. We've done some like technique tutorials, tactics, string, pretty much everything. Our aim is to cover such a wide range of topics for all standards of players. And then we've kind of grown that into a website as well. Um, just, yeah, creating as much badminton related content as we can to try and grow the sport is the main reason why. Yeah, it's obviously a huge sport in Asia, but here in England and here, uh, in Europe and definitely over in the States, it's not a big sport and we want to change that. We want everyone to love and enjoy the sport as much as they do in like, Indonesia and these places where they all go crazy for badminton. So that's our one of our main aims. Mm. And I, I think one of the really cool things about it is that when you search a lot of for videos on YouTube, you find so much of really bad and uh, low quality. Mm -hmm. And especially in the areas that you just mentioned where badminton is maybe not the most popular sport. So it's, it's really nice to see something that's well produced and is with people who know their act and they actually mm -hmm. know how to, how to describe it in a, uh, in a way that you, where you both engage the, the viewer, but you can also, uh, yeah, just to explain it in a way where it's easy, understandable for uh, for everyone. And I'm guessing that seeing all of that low quality that's available on uh, on YouTube was maybe one of uh, your guys' motivations for uh, for for doing it. But yeah, I'll let let you answer, Greg. Is, is that yeah. one of your motivations, yeah, or don't. what motivated you to to get started with this YouTube channel? Yeah, we don't really want to be mean to anyone, but we did see a lot of videos on tutorials teaching people the wrong things. And that's quite, as a, as a badminton player and a f so passionate about the sport, that's quite uh, upsetting to see because we don't want people learning the wrong technique. They're not going to get better. The, the sport's not going to be seen in a good light in that way. So that was like almost the main driving factor. And then uh, it, it kind of did all start from lockdown. Like we would never have done it without the coronavirus kind of pandemic because we wouldn't have had the time. Um, so we just kind of sat down and thought, we sort of were probably watching a video and thought, you know, we can do this better. We can apply the skills we've learned through university, through all our years of experience. 
in playing and also coaching um, to just create free resources that people can access and just grow the sport. So, um, you know, people that don't maybe have the luxury of the great coaches we've had growing up through our career to improve their game, they can also tap into a bit of knowledge. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the main reason we've done it. Yeah, and I think it's really cool because, as you say, if, if people don't learn it the right way, if they, if they actually are being taught things that are just plainly wrong, they also won't enjoy the sport in the, the best way possible because if you learn things better, you will also uh, enjoy it a, a lot better. And that, that's why I think it's, it's such a nice project that, that you guys uh, are on with this. But like one of my, uh, one of my listeners uh, uh, described that he, he really enjoys your, your videos because of the details, but also like the word I really liked that he used was the freshness of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, how do you have the skills to to do this uh, video editing? Is it is it part of what you've been uh, studying? <sighs> no. no, not at all. <laughs> like, um, we are learning so much. If you go back to our first few videos, they are terrible. And I'm sure if we look at this and again in a year, we'll be like, that was still terrible. So we're learning a lot, and we're not natural actors or anything. Um, but Jen Jen's quite good on computers and techie side of things, so she does most of the editing. Um, and as I say, I've coached quite a lot. And, and even as a player, I like to see my strengths lie in the tactical side of the game. Um, Jen knows a hell of a lot as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we kind of come together as, as a team um, to yeah, create it. And we're trying to always think of different things. That's our aim. Sometimes it's maybe not as good as we could have done because we've not got loads of time to think of all these things. But that's kind of what we're trying to do, isn't it? And just learning as we go, because we love learning things and that's our, that's our goal when we've got no goals in badminton at the moment we don't know when the next tournament is we're trying to set goals for the youtube channel i'm sure you have the same thing with your podcast don't you uh, yeah I can, I can totally relate to everything you say that if i listen to my few first podcasts i'm like this is so boring to listen to <laughs> so I, i'm your own <laughs> yeah exactly so hopefully i'm also uh, learning along the way and, and getting uh, better and better at least i feel that i am and uh, i'm sure yeah as you said you you have the exact same thing with the with your videos you already mentioned it briefly uh, greg that it's uh, it's quite time consuming i imagine uh, I know from this podcast that this is time consuming and I don't have to edit a lot, uh, only a bit of sound. No, uh, no, there's no visual uh, yeah, video or, or anything. So how much time do you actually spend on like a 10 minute video? Let's say uh, like the, the <laughs> most popular one you have is the, the backhand tutorial. I saw yeah. you have 64,000 views on, on that one. So how, how much time would you say that you, you spend on, we'll, uh, on that single video? <laughs> More than we care to admit, I think. Uh, right. Well, it's something that we definitely see as like a long-term project. So we're happy to spend a lot of time investing in each video because we know that it's going to be online forever. So we're happy to spend days like planning. So no normally we spend around maybe three to four hours writing like a like a script almost for the video because especially when we're like speaking through specific techniques we want really want to make sure we don't miss out any key points for beginners intermediate advanced players because missing out one thing that we might not think is important might be huge for someone else filming the video again for a 10 minute video will probably <laughs> take us around four hours no we're getting better yeah we're again. getting quicker and then editing is quite a long process because especially when we're filming a lot of clips 
we have to look through all the rallies or the dead time of when we're like picking up the shuttles and stuff. So I, I would say editing a 10 minute video probably takes around five or six hours. Mm. Yeah. So total time is probably like between 12 and 15 hours per video. But yeah. it's something that we really enjoy. And it's one of those things that the time actually does fly when we're doing it. We come home from training and we spend from like 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. writing scripts or editing a video when it just it goes so quickly we don't know where the time goes but it's become a really really fun hobby and we're actually loving every minute of doing it yeah i i fully understand and i i, I actually don't even think it sounds bad because I, I can easily for a, a podcast episode which again is only audio i can easily spend five or six hours with the preparation and the actual setting up the times and yeah, everything, editing and uploading and promoting it as well. Uh, so I, I know that time easily yeah, yeah. flies. Uh, so I don't even think it sounds uh, sounds crazy, even though it is a lot of time. But I think it's also good for the listeners to understand that this there actually goes a lot of work into uh, doing yeah. it in, of the quality that that you guys are doing. Uh, but you also said, Greg, that uh, you only started this channel because of the Corona uh, lockdown. So yeah. now I'm a little uh, afraid to ask what is going to happen when uh, tournaments start full time again, and mm-hmm. you won't have the same amount of time as you do now. I mean, when tournaments are around, we usually actually have more time because we both have part time jobs. Like I coach in in Nottingham and um, do various other bits of coaching, and Jen Jen has a few other jobs as well. So uh, tournaments usually have more time in the evenings and, and things like that. So. Yeah, we need to look at how we manage that time. Um, but as I say, we're almost, uh, I would say, experts in managing our time after after <laughs> being at university and you know managing things like that. So, uh, yeah, we're we're hopeful it'll continue. Yeah. So you're saying that badminton inside is is here to stay. It's not going away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. That, that's uh, that's that's great to hear. Um, another thing, I when when I watch. Uh, your videos um i like i would say i'm a pretty high level player without sounding uh, too uh, cocky or arrogant or, or anything <laughs> but even, <laughs> even when i watch your videos there's often like small details or bits of it that that i maybe didn't know of before or maybe not know of but uh, notice or pay attention to or i gave any kind of importance so i'm kind of thinking when you say that you spend 3 to 4 hours just scripting a a video and being so precise with all the details do you guys also see it as kind of a learning experience not only in terms of editing videos and being a good on youtube but as a learning experience in terms of of your badminton wow that's a great question um i mean that took me back a little bit you saying you've learned some things from it because we, we are trying to cater you know for beginners and and advanced well i didn't really think we'd get up to that sort of advanced <laughs> level um but yeah no we are l- learning little things like the, that backhand video you, you alluded to we, it's not something comfortable for us to teach because i say it's a more singles based shot um so things like that and then also the string video you know i string quite a lot of brackets um that, that's play. actually the one video uh, where i feel like I, I i learned the most like i i've never been a big equipment guy uh, of yeah. course, equipment is important, but I've never really taken a lot of interest in it. And uh, yeah, uh, of course, I know there's a big difference between all strings, but that that was really, uh, yeah, 
great for me to see and, and interesting and there, there was no way that I could turn it off because it was just yeah yeah great for me to see and, and a new yeah learning experience so that, that yeah. one was, was amazing I think that video was definitely where like Greg could apply a lot of his knowledge like he's strong mm -hmm. for like 10 plus years and now works in a shop um, the TRME who we have on our shirts he strings for them on a part-time basis and I think that knowledge and then we also did a lot of research just we just wanted to share that information that as you say like probably not many people know but so many people we see on like forums on badminton or people posting on facebook they don't really know much about these things they just want to know like what's the best string or what's going to make them hit the shuttle harder whereas they don't know like the little details and i think those things are actually really interesting so we just instead of always just sharing this is how you smash harder and there's like big topics it's sometimes more about the little details that actually some people don't know about but they will find interesting yeah do, do you also see it as like a uh, kind of a way into the next step of your career like when you're finished playing uh, i hear that you're both kind of into coaching a, a, a little bit or at least you are correct yeah. Do, do you see this uh, channel as, as kind of a pathway into uh, to, to greater things in terms of that after uh, yeah, after your playing career? I know it's it's far in the future because you are you are both young. You're not almost thirty five like me. Uh, I think we're both yeah we're both passionate about it and we're really enjoying it. Like you'll you'll know as well when you get like a positive comment or. I guess review for you, um, which more people should do, by the way, because I know it helps your channel. Um, but totally you... agree. <laughs> That's the best thing you said today, Greg. <laughs> when you get that, you get like a buzz. Like it's almost like uh, you know winning a match or something. You, you're actually impacting someone's life, and I think that that passion is something that I'm not sure we we can let go. And as we're enjoying it, I think obviously we're not you know we're not really making any money out of it. And at the end of the day, you've got to look look at you know are you making money and uh, but I think the more we can grow it and it's, it's gaining us so many skills along the way. So at the moment we're not, yeah, we're not in a position as long as people keep watching it and enjoying and subscribing, of course, to, to kind of give it up. But yeah, I think, I think there's lots of different avenues we can go down. Um, I'm working with Andy Wood, um, who, who was Nathan Robertson's his coach and former head coach here. I'm working with him on a book on, on momentum, which is, you know, really exciting. Uh, and I think something that every badminton player should have in their, in their um, kind of bag as such, just to refer to and just a, as a tool, because I think the psychological part of the game and mental side is really important. So there's lots of different projects that we could go down, um, but it's, it's just exciting, yeah. Yeah, that actually leads me to a question I got from one of my listeners, uh, Nathan van der Brücken, uh, who, who just wanted to know what your guys' dream objective is with the, uh, the channel, like what, what you, if you could just dream freely, what, what would you like to, uh, how big would you like it to grow for you guys? Would it, would it still just be a, a hobby thing or, or would you actually like to see it at some time become financially viable? So it's something where you get some income and uh, that actually justifies uh, kind of the, the time that you, you put in. Yeah, we do actually see it as a really possible career option for us. And I think that's part of like a small part of the reason why we're like pushing it so much we really believe in what we're doing and what we can do and how how much we can help people on the court and off the court 
So I think there's a lot, as Greg said, there's lots of different like avenues we can go down. And there's also a lot of things that people don't really know as well of like how we can make it into a business in the future. So like, for example, we get like a small amount of money every time somebody watches an advert on our YouTube channel. And the longer they watch that advert, the more money we get. I mean, we're talking pennies, but when you like mm. exponentially grow your audience to like thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, millions, millions <laughs> yeah, millions, <laughs> then yeah. like, then you don't, then we don't know what we can achieve. So I think that's really exciting for us that we definitely see it as a potential career. And of, and of course, obviously us being professional players, as you know, like it will help that growth because we have trust from people that we know what we're talking about. We're professional players. So right. I think building that trust and then we're just excited to see where we can take it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And also with the reception that you guys have, have had, like you've only been doing this for, uh, yeah, what, six months now? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, just over. Like yeah, and you already passed more than 6,000 subscribers. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And as I said, the most viewed video is on 64,000 views, and uh, the swinging one is on 40 something, 40,000 something. Yeah. Think, yeah. 34 at the moment. I'm yeah. quite into Oh, 34. Yeah. All right. The analytics. He's all every morning on the checking how we're doing and how uh, many people are watching. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know the feeling, but I guess that's, that's also kind of, uh, yeah, you already mentioned it a bit, but it kind of spurs you on to, to keep on going and, and push even harder. And I, I don't see any reason why you you wouldn't want to do that with that kind of uh, reception. It's, it's pretty amazing uh, numbers. Yeah. Can you, would it be possible for you to just reveal one or two ideas for some of your uh, upcoming uh, videos? So my listeners will know what's in store yeah, and they check out balance and insight. <laughs> so we have like a, an advanced return of surfs coming on Sunday. We need to actually film mm -hmm. that, don't we? Um, so that's, um, it still doubles. Maybe we need to get your help in the singles videos in the future. Uh, sure. into your expert knowledge. But yeah, advanced, advanced, um, advanced doubles return of serves. And then we're hoping to do um, in collab with Victor some some giveaways uh, coming up to Christmas. And we're also going to do one for our ten k, ten k. So lots of um, exciting exciting videos and, and across all range of subjects. So we're going to do hoping to get people like Raj Shusef in and we've not told him yet, but we're hoping to, uh, <laughs> to sap in some, some of his knowledge and, and yeah, just cover everything badminton that hopefully people want to see. And we're, we're always looking to do what, what our audience wants. So any, anytime people will comment, we'll, we'll add that to the, almost the list of videos we'll do. And we've got a bit of a plan and we've got quite a lot to film now. So yeah. Yeah, so you have an you have an endless list, and I, I think actually Raj is usually listening to this podcast. So if he if he doesn't know that you you want him to uh, work with you guys, he will know in the in a few days when he hears this. <laughs> right, Jenny and Greg, uh, we've been uh, through the two uh, main topics that I uh, had prepared for today. We've been on for just about forty minutes now, so we have some time left for listener questions. I gave my listeners on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter the chance to ask you guys questions as I do with uh, all my guests. And uh, I think I got some pretty nice ones in. Uh, so if you're ready for it, it can be, it, this doesn't have to relate to badminton inside or, or anything. It, it can just be badminton related. So I hope yep. you guys are, are up for that. Yep, let's go. All right, the first one is from uh, 
Babington's Best, which is a, a user you probably uh, know. They're quite active on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, she, or they are asking, what Babington content do you guys feel is lacking on YouTube right now? I would, oh God, that's a really tough question. I was initially going to say beginner videos, mainly because they're the videos that we see a lot of people teaching incorrectly. So for us, that was a really important thing to try and teach the right techniques, as we mentioned before. But in the same breath, I would also say advanced videos is actually really yeah. nothing other trying to teach like the top level. So this is something we're trying to do with our video coming up this week is the advanced returns. So something that you'd really only be teaching players who are looking to go internationally or really pushing at the top of their country. And I think that's something that is also missing. So it's a really tough question because I'd actually say everything. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot missing at like for, for good quality content. And I think at the moment we're trying to focus a bit more on beginner stuff just so that we have a good base. But then definitely in the future, we want to focus more on advanced things because I guess that's where our strengths lie. That's what we like learning. Like we're still obviously learning some things as we go along. So we're happy to teach people along the way as well. Yeah, I think everything is a perfectly fine uh, answer. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave with with that. That everything is missing, and uh, I would agree. And as I said in the beginning, that's also one of the reasons why I think this is a really nice project because there is, and again, it's not to be uh, mean against anyone, but there is a lot of uh, bad uh, videos online uh, where you yeah. don't get taught the right way to to do stuff. Yeah, I think what is missing is a good through the legs um, through the legs shot against Lee John Wei. I think. <laughs> yeah. people should go watch that a, a few yeah. more times and uh, yeah we, we can do a special edition one day where i try to uh, cheat that if i uh, go to Mother kings then we can record that yeah, yeah. or we'll come over to denmark to film that that's fine <laughs> All right, that's a deal that's a deal <laughs> right let's go on to the second question uh, question which is from helen davies i'm i don't know if it's someone you guys know you look like uh, you know her Player, yeah. She's a former women's singles player from England. She was yeah. very good. Yeah, she's got good All right. She is asking, and this is uh, one of the more controversial uh, questions I've had on the podcast. I know I promised you before <laughs> we went on air that it wasn't going to be controversial, and it is not that bad, not at all. Uh, but he, she's asking, what is your view on a federation putting who they deem to be up and coming players into teams? over older proven players and i chose this question to bring it on because uh, uh, i already sense what helen thinks about it and mm -hmm. i'm not a big fan of uh, what i would call uh, age discrimination um, so i'm just just wondering what, what you guys would uh, yeah, yeah, think about it hmm. yeah it's a tough tough question um naturally companies organizations would always want to promote and develop young players um, or, or people uh, and give them the opportunities. But I think for me, it's all about winning and whoever, uh, whoever would have the best chance of giving you success, I would always select for a team. Um, I think, I guess there's a maybe example you could tap into with, with your experience of Thomas Cup, um, your experience, you know, in that, in that winning match, I think, came through, whereas maybe a younger player might not have won. So there's arguments probably for both. It, it maybe depend on the level of the tournament, what they want to get out of the tournament. Um, 
in terms of making that decision. But yeah, I can't really. Obviously, obviously. And that's also the longer perspective like that if you choose a younger guy, maybe if you don't have a chance of the big result now, then you maximize your chances to, to have the yeah. great result later on but uh, I, i'm completely on board with you that that i also feel like we are dealing with sports at the highest level so you should always uh, go for winning that, that that's basically what it's about right that's why we are we're keeping scores because it, it's about winning yeah do, do you agree jenny or are you just yeah. uh, nodding your head yeah <laughs> so it's all about winning <laughs> all right third question guys is from uh a Welsh uh, club player, uh, Alan Roger. He yeah. is asking, uh, what should a club level player focus on to get in his best cardio shape from home? And that that's, this is uh, directly related to the uh, yeah, Corona lockdown, of course. And I thought it was relevant because I saw that you guys uh, did a, I think it was a fitness video, uh, I actually have to admit I didn't watch that video, but I saw that you're also now uh, making programs available for uh, some, uh, is it strength and conditioning uh, exercises that, that people can uh, can get access to on your webpage? Yeah, so that the what they can get access to on our website is what you would do in a gym. Obviously, mm. uh, this question's about at home. So we we spent the first four months of our YouTube channel just being at home. So a lot of people got to know our little driveway and our lounge mm -hmm. here because we just live in a small one bed um, flat. So I think that's what we had to focus on is what we almost got forced to produce content on. And it was something where we're in a unique situation where everyone was in the same boat. So beginners, advanced players, professional players, we were all having to train from home. So I think, for club players, it was something that everyone could relate to, everyone could use. And that's why we really enjoyed creating those videos at the start. Um, but to answer the question more specifically, I would say, to be honest, a combination of everything. There is no easy answer for sure. Like long cardio, when you're playing long matches, you need that endurance in your body. But you also need that explosive power. So like skipping, explosive jumping, all those different things. There is no like one answer to becoming a badminton player. We know it's such a hard sport. You need attributes from everything, agility, coordination, explosive power. So training is so diverse. And I think that's what most people really enjoy about the sport. There is you know, one boring aspect. There is so many different things that you have to do to become a good badminton player. So I'd say just keep your training really varied hmm. and enjoy it all. Yeah, and be consistent in it as well. Don't train really hard for a week and then be like, Oh, I deserve a couple of weeks off now. Like you will see rewards, like in our on-court training we do, but it's the same off-court. You'll see rewards when you do it and work hard day in, day out uh, for a long period of time. Yeah, definitely. Can can you find some inspiration in your uh, first few videos? Do Do you have anything on uh, on cardio training? On, on the cardio, we've done a few high intensity things. I think we had like a day in a day in life in lockdown, didn't we? But that was again that was early on. So uh, maybe yeah, it could have been a better video. But maybe we'll do a day in lockdown in lockdown 2 number two because we go into lockdown in England again, uh, starting from tomorrow. But we're okay. still able to train, fortunately, but um, no one else can. So yeah, tough times for. England but I'm sure the rest of the world as well. Right guys
guess that will be all for the uh, the questions. And uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for uh, for taking time out. I, I can kind of sense that you already had a have a lot on your plate that you can uh, you can spend your time on. So I appreciate you took out a, uh, an hour for me. Uh, just before I let you go, uh, I want to let people know where they can find you. So it's uh, on YouTube for Badminton Insight. Yep. And then they can also find you on social media. Yep. Yes. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And then our website is badminton-insight.com. And you reply to all comments I see on, uh, on YouTube and all messages on Instagram, I suppose, as well. Yes, everything yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we, we we try and reply to every comment. We know that from personal experience, and I'm sure you at some stage of your career as well. If you'd have messaged a professional player when you were young, or like maybe not a great standard, you'd have, like everyone really appreciates a reply from someone, no matter how busy they are. So we definitely try and take that time out to reply to all of those, and we'll try and do it for as long as we can. We are getting a lot more comments now, which we love. And it's nice seeing all the nice comments. So we'll try and keep that up. <laughs> yeah, all right. So my listeners shouldn't hesitate to get in contact with you if they have a good idea or a question or yeah, yeah, an idea for a, a video. For sure. All right. Let's uh, leave it at that. And uh, I'll uh, hopefully see you guys on uh, tour next year when uh, things are back to uh, back to normal. Thanks so much for, uh, for being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been an honor. I love the podcast. Um, and I'll just reiterate what you always say. People subscribe and, and make sure they share it because it's a great thing you're doing as well. We really appreciate that. Yep. Thank you very much for having us. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.